Hey, Laura. Yeah? You ready to talk about Leo? Yeah. Welcome, gentle listeners, to Let's Talk About Leo. This is the podcast where we discuss the body of work of one Leonardo DiCaprio, one film at a time. I am Meredith, and with me, as always, is my trusty sister and fellow Leo lover, Laura. Hello, Laura. Hello. How has your week been? Oh, what day is this? Oh, it's, it's Sunday. Sunday. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I, I really don't remember my week, so it must be really good. Oh, that's nice. Do you have any updates on um, your foster pup, Judge Oliver Dockett? Um, no, he's right here. He's sitting next to me. He's. Um, I'm trying to get into him into a special class for dogs that are afraid of the world. And oh, hopefully did he have like an that. issue this week? No, he's just he's just always afraid of everything. I mean, I'm pretty fearful. Of the oh world, yeah, so. actually, I do have an announcement. Um, did I already do this? Everybody. Walk your dogs on a friggin' leash. Thank you. Yeah, like, for if you're, if you're If you're in a neighborhood, I mean, it's one thing if you're, like, you know, on a trail where you're in the forest or something. I still I still don't care for that, okay? To be real. I mean, like, maybe if you're, like, hiking, like, the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. And you have, like, a super well-trained dog or something. That you, you say, won't like, run up to. You say, like, John, sit! And he just sits. Right. Your dog has to be amazingly trained. John in this scenario. Yes. If you have a dog that's in, like, a neighborhood, put it on a leash. I don't care if your dog is friendly and doesn't bite. My dogs don't like your dog coming up and shoving his face in my dog's face. So put your dogs on a friggin' leash. Okay. End of end of uh, complaint hour. Did you step off the soapbox? Yeah, I actually brought it out because I'm going to get on it a couple times during this uh, during this episode. Ooh, so keep it polished. Keep it ready. <laughs> it's ready. I'm. I brought it out earlier. I've. It's all ready to be stood upon several times. Nice, nice. Oh, how are you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me talk about myself for 25 minutes and not even ever ask how you are. That's really rude. That's cool. Merit. How are you? Um, I'm okay. It's been kind of a rough week. Lots of stuff going on, but you know, Leo was a bright spot in my day today. And I've been, like, reconnecting with old friends that live in the same city as me, but I don't necessarily, like, see them all the time because we don't live in the same borough. And for those of you who do not live in New York City, it's like, if you don't live in the same borough or, like, off of the same train as someone, it, you just never see them. It's like, it's not going to happen. Um, entire relationships, like, blossoming romances have been squashed because someone lived in Queens. It's a shame. It is. It's a real shame. But, you know, they've got the Second Avenue subway. The W train is back. So, like, stuff is getting easier. But, um, yeah, I've been, like, talking to and seeing old friends again, and that's been really nice. Um, do your friends do your friends like Leo? Oh, my God, yes. I, so I had coffee this morning with one of my dear, dear friends from college, and um, 
I she was talking about how she like doesn't really listen to any podcasts and she wa- I wanted to get into them and I was like, well, do I have one for you? And she was like, what? And I was like, I have a podcast with my sister. It's called Let's Talk mm-hmm. About Leo. And she was like, that's the greatest name of a podcast I've ever heard. And I was like, I know. And um, I told her about it and I was like, you know, we just love Leo, but like in a way like he's our friend and we want what's best for him and she looked at me very earnestly and said is there any other way to love leo and i was like thank you you are our demographic exactly <laughs> please it's, come it's to not, us yeah it's not um it's not in a crush fashion it's in a way that we just really respect and admire him and and feel like he's a close personal buddy of ours the same way that i feel that tom hanks is my uncle mm-hmm. you know like and i Bill just Pullman. whenever i see his yeah, whenever I see their faces, I'm just like, ha ha, that's my uncle. Like, I just feel very, you know, connected to them in a way. And I feel like he's my best friend, my best friend, Leo. So um, that's not weird at all. No, totally normal. And, yeah. Totally normal. Yeah. I think you, oh my God, wait, do you remember how our brother-in-law was felt that Bill Cosby was so familiar? It was like his dad. <laughs> Oh, no. It's so weird now. At the time, I was like, oh, it's amazing. And now I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. It's your dad who you don't know very well because he's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, for realsies. That was a downer. That's depressing. Sorry. I hope Leo's not. I hope we never find out anything like that about Leo. We already know that Leo's a modelizer. Like, Leo is, like, out in the open with his, like grossness yeah so you know it's not that bad it's like when someone seems too good to be true you're like "Mm, you got a little ned flanders going on you know what i mean yeah yes and like yeah like yeah there was one time i worked at an office and there was this one guy there and he was just like too too nice and too like composed but like would always give you the old up and down when you were in an elevator alone it was so gross and i just kept thinking like Mm. you have so many strippers trapped in your basement in connecticut like this is all i can think it was gross i don't work there anymore thank god yeah well um like whenever on my murder shows they're always like the murderer they're always like you never would suspect it he was the nicest guy a real church-going god-loving father figure and it's like no wonder i don't trust people who are like well and it's also like every one of those true crime shows that i watch it's like something horrible happens in these like small towns and they're like no one would ever it's stuff like that just doesn't happen here this is a small god-fearing town and you're like that's exactly where crap like that happens like weird crap like that is not happening in big cities if people want to kill people in big cities they just shoot them like (laughs) yeah they don't it's an honest crime it's not nefarious like that guy who kept that woman like chained up in a uh, I mean that happens too but like I don't know I just am like you really didn't see this coming like you know the youth minister that just took a little too much of an interest in people or their moms I don't generally trust youth ministers I'm I'm not trying to like put all youth ministers in a box I'm sure there's some really great ones who really help a lot of people but I'm just saying there's a lot of TV shows about youth ministers who got a little too close I don't trust anyone. So this conversation I think has everybody very weird. I think I think everybody's murderer until proven wrong. That's, okay. Anyway, really un-American of you. What what country is it? Russia. Mm-hmm. Oh, welcome, comrade. A man like Putin. Da 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 da. Oh my god, that song's been stuck in my head like all Putin. week, and I'm just like, it's from uh, 
uh, John Oliver's show. No, it's, it's, I mean, from, it's from Russia. That. It's, it's real. No, I know, but I saw it on John Oliver's yeah, show. Yeah, it's... Yeah. And it's like, the translation is like, a man like Putin who is strong and brave or something like that. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, do you know what rhymes with brave? Grave. <laughs> yeah. But not in Russian, um, I'm did sure. You know th- I don't know if they have rhyming in Russia. <laughs> Sometimes I think maybe my humor doesn't come across on this podcast because you can't see my deadpan face of like, I'm obviously joking. <laughs> Well, that's why I laugh, like, excessively to let people know, like, that was a Thank joke. You. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it, because otherwise I'm just a really big jerk. Um, did you know that Oliver's name came from John Oliver? Oh, that's sweet. He does kind of look like John Oliver. Mm-hmm. Like, in that, like, I mean, he's, adorable, dorky British way. He's a he's a judge, but I, I named him after John yeah. Oliver, so. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Okay, anyway. So, um, do you have any Leo news this week? Because I do. I don't think so. You go first. All right, this week in Leo. Um, so it's kind of like Leo, but once removed, but it's really, it's good news. So there's this guy, um, this Tanzanian guy. Did mm-hmm. I say that right? Tanzanian? Okay, so it's not Tanzanian. No, Tanzanian. <laughs> Tanzanian. Okay, so there's this, I have a master's degree. <laughs> so there's this Tanzanian guy, uh, a really wretched human being who's one of the worst poachers in the world. And his nickname is Shaitani, which means devil in Swahili. Like he, He's responsible for killing thousands of elephants for their ivory, which is so is gross. I mean, elephants are amazing creatures. They have been shown to have, like, emotions and relationships. And if you kill them for any reasons, reason, I, um, I wish you nothing but pain in your life. I'm being really dramatic I know, it's a really today. dramatic kind of day, but also I just want to point out, I listened to the podcast Stuff You Should Know, and they did an entire episode on whether or not animals have in- inalienable rights, and the mm-hmm. basic, like, the, the basis of our belief that animals, like, don't have feelings and emotions and, and crap like that, and, like, why we've treated them so badly throughout history, literally comes from just, like, some weirdo who just was like, no, they don't. I've looked into it. Like, that's it. I've looked, yeah, I've looked into like it. There's nothing beyond that. And he just was like, he was like a doctor and he wanted to be able to experiment on animals. And so he was like, no, no, they don't feel anything. I've looked into it. And for like thousands of years, everyone was like, top notch, jolly. They don't feel anything. Pip, pip. I he thought, looked into it. I thought it came from the Bible. I thought it no. came from the Bible. Like the animals don't have souls. I don't even think that's actually in the Bible. I think that's like one of those weird, um, like papal rulings. One of those things. Like I have a feeling, and then Ah. he's like, also papal infallibility, and then you're like, oh dear. I got a feeling that the Pope is always right. We write a lot of good novelty songs (laughs) about the Pope. The Pope is always right. (laughs) We once wrote a a an instructional dance dance song that would have been really popular. Do it the was Pope in honor of? Um, <laughs> it was good. Pope. No, it was Pope, Pope. Benedict. Right? Oh, Remember, because um, no. Pope Francis, wait, he just waves. He doesn't do. He doesn't do the Pope, where you like put your hands in like the the Namaste yeah. and then like open your arms mm-hmm. and like exalt. He does. Yeah. Pope Francis doesn't do that. He's too down yeah. to earth for that. It's true. Anyway, so this guy, this poaching guy. <laughs> Let's go back. We're talking about an elephant poacher here, okay? He's also linked to crime gangs involved in wildlife trafficking. He's just like an all-around, he's an all-around terrible person. So, his name is, (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know if I can say this name without laughing. <clears throat> his, <laughs> his, <laughs> it's not that funny, but his name is Boniface. <laughs> Boniface. <laughs> that like made me have to cough and laugh Boniface all at the same time. <laughs> Boniface Matthew Maliango. Um, and he was featured in a documentary called The Ivory Game, which Leo produced. So there's the Leo connection. So as everyone knows, Leo is super into the earth mm-hmm. and wildlife, but especially yeah. elephants I mean, and sharks. It's Those a combination of you and me. You're super into elephants and I'm super into sharks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we're all three best friends. So We're the three best friends that anyone ever had. Yeah. Um, the good news is that in 2015, Meliango and some of his bros were arrested when they were caught trying to smuggle 118 tusks, <gasps> which was they, which were worth um, like $800,000 or something like that. Um, and this week, a beautiful Tanzanian court suggest, uh, sentenced this asshat to 12 years in prison. Yes, queen. Hooray! I mean, I would have preferred like 118 years, one for each tusk he was found mm-hmm. with, but 12 is, you know. We'll take what we can get in the fight against inhumanity and barbarous acts. And maybe, I mean, I'm being dramatic and kind of cruel today, so maybe somebody will kill him in there. That's too much. Who knows? For you. Um, anyway, you know how I, you know how I feel about elephants, like... I know, like, when I hear about, like, shark fin soup, I'm like, your culture's garbage! <laughs> Even though that's not true, I, like, it's not really how I feel, but it's just when I, when I have those yeah. moments, you know, you're just like, ah, my blood boils and I have no patience for you. Yeah, so anyway, that's news kind of, like, distantly related to our guy. I'm pretty sure he's happy about it, and I just wanted to know... Everyone to know how gross poaching is Um, and how cool elephants are. What if this segment just became, like, things that we're pretty sure Leo would be delighted by? (laughs) (laughs) When we run out of news, we'll just, like, pretend. We're, like, (laughs) eco-friendly slippers. (laughs) (laughs) We're pretty sure he has a pair. (laughs) Oh, also, he maybe broke up with his girlfriend. He had a girlfriend? Uh... Yeah, Nina Agdal. Oh, forgot about her. We went, we went over know. this. We went over this, yeah. Um. Anyway, but they maybe broke up because he was spending too much time with Tobey Maguire because he's newly single, but that's unsubstantiated gossip, so. Wait, also, isn't there some sort of rumor about his feud with uh, enemy of the podcast, <laughs> Ned Rock and Roll? Yes, that's right. We Yes, Um. What did, where did we see that? In some... Gar- some Gossip magazine, but still, apparently he has a feud with Ned Rock and Roll, Kate Winslet's husband, because Kate um, loves Leo too much. I mean, I I like saw this thing on Instagram. Um. Oh, the video of them professing their love for each other. That yeah, that I tagged you, and it's just like a compilation of their love for each other. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll repost it on our Instagram, gentle listeners. It, um, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful, but, like, there's this amazing moment when it's uh, Kate's Golden Globes acceptance speech, and she's like, Leo, I'm just so thrilled that I can stand up here and tell you you in front of the world how much I have loved you for 13 years. (laughs) And he's literally sitting next to her husband. Mm, So awkward. Oh, this is so awkward. Oh, not Ned Ned Rock and Roll, though, the the husband before that. No, Sam Mendes. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I found it. It's in Star Magazine. It says, Source claims Ned Rock and Roll 
which is all one word. That's upsetting. It's the stupidest name anyone's ever heard. I mean, it's dumber than Boniface Matthew Meliongo. <laughs> It is it's really, it's a crap name. Um, source claims Ned Rock and Roll is upset by Leo and Kate's friendship. Does Ned feel inferior to the newly minted Oscar winner? So yes. obviously this news is old. Um, also, Star Magazine, you have a way too many ads on your page. I can't get through. Okay. Are you going to make me watch a video? Yeah, they don't have anything cool to say. That's it. It's just that and then a video of Kate Winslet like walking around. Well, I am going to go ahead and believe that from my own heart. Um, I mean, a source claimed it, Laura. Well, yeah. A source. <laughs> it could be. These hard-hitting journalists. <laughs> they have a their source. sources. A source, yes. Well, I listen to sources, and um, and I, I'm going to go ahead and believe that they have a, a deep love for one another that's going to ruin every relationship that they have with anyone else until they are together. I know, which will probably be when they're like a hundred and they're like, oh my God, that'd be so cute. I know. Oh, okay. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, Marvin's Marvin's room. room. Laura. Yeah. Had you seen Marvin's room before? Yes. Um, I have. I had. Please tell us of your first viewing of this film while I eat a piece of candy because I'm in my pantry recording and I'm hungry. That is really loud. I just saw them, and I really want one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is it the um? Is it those honey peppermint patties? Yeah, because there's only three ingredients, and none of them is crap sugar. It's honey and peppermint and dark chocolate. They're from Trader Joe's, and they're really good. Okay, they and are amazing. They are, and they're so good. Like you don't eat a bunch of them because they're so rich. You just eat like you can ha- just have one. Which is really good for those of us who have trouble controlling how much we eat. I bet if you put them in the freezer, they'd be really good in the summertime. Oh my god. You know I love frozen candy. Anyway, so yes, I've seen Marfin's Room. <laughs> I, saw, I, saw, I saw it in the theater when I was 13. So hmm. I can't remember if I saw it more than once. I kind of feel like I did because I remembered things. I, like I'm in the last scene when Leo's like standing in the doorway and then he walks away. For some reason I remembered like, oh, he's not in the movie anymore after that. Like, Mm. I had committed it to memory that he would no longer have screen time. (laughs) But I didn't really remember that much about it. Like, I remember Diane Keaton was in it. And I remember the scene at Disneyland when she's drinking out of the straw and the blood goes into the straw. Mm -hmm. But that was pretty much it. I can tell you, though, you're going to be interested in this fact. Um, You know how I have, like, a thing about Meryl Streep? Yeah. That you don't understand? Because it's not like I Mm -hmm. dislike her. I just you ha- just like don't take her as seriously as everyone else does, right? But this you don't treat her with the appropriate amount of gravitas for her accomplishments. I guess not. But this movie is why. What? This is the first movie I ever saw her in, and her and I was thirteen, mind you, so forming as a human being. Um, and her character is so unpleasant and so mean to Leo's character that I developed like a deep seated negative feeling towards her. That's, like, really unfair to Meryl. I'm sorry. I, It's just, like, a childhood thing. And I realized it as I was watching this. I was like, hmm, this is, this is why I don't like her, because she's so mean to him in this. And that's why. I mean, she she's does a good really job. She's mean to him, though. She's just, oh, like... Oh, she is mean to him. She's just inept at dealing with what's going on. She's totally mean to him. I mean, she's mean to him, but it's not, like, cruelty. It's, like... No, not, like, um, this boy's life mean... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I anyway, have not seen this movie. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not, I'm not quite Oh, done. sorry. It's okay. You can edit that out. 
Anyway, so watching it this time, I kind of see why I didn't remember anything. It's not a bad movie. I like it. But it's kind of like vanilla ice cream. Like, it's delicious and enjoyable, but not memorable. You know? Mm. And there are things about it that rub me the wrong way. I mean, if last week's um, movie played to your degree, this one plays to mine because there are old people in it. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, listeners, gentle listeners, I have my bachelor's in psychology and my master's in gerontology, which is the study of aging, which is basically the study of old people. And I'm incredibly sensitive to how old it is. And I'm incredibly sensitive to how older adults are portrayed in movies. Um, so, yeah. Oh, by the way. Elderly is a derogatory term. Um, older adults is the correct term, if anyone was wondering. I wasn't, but thanks. Well, yes, people go, oh, this elderly woman, and she's like 65. It's like, no, she's not. Elderly is frail elderly. So, like, Marvin is elderly because he's frail elderly. But the aunt was not elderly. Hmm. Okay, anyway. So I had some issues with how the aunt was portrayed and the whole nursing home scene and all that, but, and some, Why don't some you of the, tell pro- us about it. Tell us what your I, issues were. I want to get there. Polish off your soapbox. Step back up. No, no, no. I was, I'm going to do it in the plot section because it won't make any sense. Like if I don't do it in the plot section. So. Oh, right, right, right. So overall I enjoyed it, but it's not like the best movie, but it's not the worst either. Did you so, like it when you saw it when you were younger, or was it just, like, over your head and you just liked that Leo was in it? It was totally over my head, and I simply liked that Leo was in it, because he's very cute in it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got floppy... It's floppy hair. I mean, what can you do? Oh. It's it's between Romeo and Juliet and Titanic. How, I mean... So much hair flop. It's beautiful. And he's, like, angsty and angry and lights things on fire. So what can you... I mean, it's it's good. It's good. Had you seen this before? No, I had not. I, again, our parents were ridiculous and would not let me see this movie, even though there's zero reason why I should not, I should have, like, been kept from this movie. The F word. Like, like our dad didn't say that when he took us (laughs) golfing. Like, I firmly learned how to swear from our dad. Um, But, like, yeah, no, I, I hadn't seen it before, and I, like... Took a little breather from the world today and like put my phone on do not disturb and watched this movie and I I actually really liked it. It's weird. Like there's a lot of just like script quirks in it that I'm like, well, why why? Like yeah. why why is that there? Like it felt like it was trying to be almost I think I I think I can answer that for you actually. Well, but like what I felt like it was trying to be was like almost like better off dead. Oh, Do you know what really? I'm talking about? Like, it was trying to have these, like, moments of, like, quirky, um, uh, like, absurdist comedy. Like the the um, garage door going up and down every yeah. time. Yeah, the garage aunt. door going up and down every time someone hugs the aunt. And, like, her mm-hmm. whole thing with, like, the soap operas and stuff like that. Like, that that just seemed like, but it didn't work. Like, it didn't get worked in. That wasn't the tone of the whole movie. So they just seem yeah. like misplaced, but at the same time, I like really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> and like the okay, hair well, in this movie, other than Leo, is just oh so my bad. God. It's so bad. Oh my god! Well, she's wearing a fall. Meryl Streep's wearing a fall because that's what she wears when she likes to look good. <laughs> oh my god! Just never talk about how hard you tried. It's so. Awful. I know. Don't ever. T- if you're wearing fake hair, don't tell anybody, man. You I don't know. know. I would just... tell you. Well, well okay. I would totally tell you and Emily. Sister. I would be like. 
sister friends. I am wearing fake <laughs> hair. Can you tell? <laughs> and then Emily would be like, ooh. And then she'd like, <laughs> she'd do that thing where she like looks through my hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to be so mad at me. <laughs> It's a it's a loving thing, but our older sister likes to pick at us like like a mama gorilla. It's true. Um, see, I liked it. It's just I can see. Well, maybe the reason I thought that maybe I didn't remember anything is because it did go over my head as a youngin. But I just feel like it wasn't um, like in the in the um, vastness that is his catalog of films, it gets lost because it's not. I mean, because it. I don't know why, you know? It's well, just it's not like as strong there. as the other ones. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not like a great movie. It's solid, but it's not strong. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, there's holes, and, like, there's a bunch of stuff that just doesn't get explained, but it's fundamental, like, exploration of families and illness mm-hmm. is really interesting. Like, what yes. do you do when your family members get really, really sick? What is your obligation to those people? And does being a caregiver mean that you give up your own life? Or is that your life? I have so much to say about that later. Um, But those are the questions that it was really trying to ask on, like, multiple levels. Yeah. Like, if it's your children, Um, if it's your parents, if it's your siblings. Like, what do you do in all of those scenarios? What are the differences? And do you have an obligation to a family member that you don't know Mm -hmm. to, like... Give your bone marrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, true. Do you have an obligation to save somebody who's never shown an interest in you just because of blood? Like, basically, like, what are your blood ties? It's an interesting question, and I, I'm not sure that it actually answered it, but it tried, and it tried really hard. And just so, Diane Keaton and Meryl Streep so you know. and Gwen Verdon are just magic. Mm, I agree. Um, just so you know. You can have any of my parts. My God, we're not having this conversation. This never ends. <laughs> I know, because you're very selfish and you won't give me your kidneys. I'm just stingy with my kidneys because if you, okay, the, the question that you once asked me is if you were losing one of your kidneys, would I give you one? And I was like, I'm not giving you one of my kidneys so you can have two and I can have one. You're right. That's a dumb that's question. A re- that know. was the question you asked me. I don't know me. what that was about. Mad me about it for like 10 years. <laughs> it's like this is the largest fight that we've ever had and then the other one is when you and Emily asked me if I was rich and famous if I would buy you guys houses and I was like no <laughs> yeah you you're so like I wouldn't give you anything and I was like I would take us all on really nice vacations and I'm not buying I just want you, you to know. I just want you to um be like Leo he bought his mom a you're house you're not my mom no I'm your very close sister friend who lives in a converted studio garage. Would you let me stay in a converted studio garage while you live in a huge mansion? Probably. Oh my god! <laughs> this podcast is over. <laughs> well, I would buy you a house. So, I don't want you to I mean, buy me a house. One. I already have a house. Some of us are not as rich and lucky as you. I'm not rich or lucky. Anyway. But, I mean, I'm lucky, but... <laughs> oh, you are lucky. <laughs> Anyway, do you want to hear about the background of this? Uh, yes, movie? please, because I don't want to fight with you over like, <laughs> like <laughs> kidneys anymore. Hypoth- hypothetical mm-hmm. kidneys. Um, okay, so Marvin's Room came out in 1996 when Leo was 22, same year as Romeo and Juliet. Okay. 
He looks younger in this playing... than he did in Romeo and Juliet. Did he film it before? He... I didn't check that, but I was kind of thinking that too because he does look He looks younger. closer to how he looked in the Basketball Diaries. Yeah, you yeah. think so? Definitely. He's so scrawny. Like, he, like, filled out a little bit before Romeo and Juliet. Oh, he did, like, a couple of sit-ups and push-ups Yeah, they were like, Leo, you're going to be a heartthrob. You should really work out. And he was like, mm, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but he's still playing a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I think, this is, I think this is the last time he plays a teen because everything um, – after Titanic, he's just, like, a bona fide – leading man so i don't think he ever plays a teen again can you think of a time although i haven't seen all I the movies so. i imagine that yeah because it's like titanic man in the iron mask i don't remember the other ones but i don't think i think he's too old at that point to play a teen so this is our uh this is his teenage swan song here wait that's not true jack dawson's only 19 yeah what jack dawson is 19 i just got on the google machine Jack Dawson has a character bio on IMDb, and he was born June 17th, 1892, and he dies April 15th, 1912. Spoiler alert. Sorry, everybody. So he was 19 years old. Oh, my God. That that makes it so much sadder. I thought he was, like, 25. No. Those six years really make a difference. I thought he was, like, 21, and that made a difference. Those three years. Also, people, people also ask <laughs> on Google is... How many movies have Leonardo DiCaprio been in? Which is not grammatically correct. 27? Is Rose Dawson a real person? What was the first film Leonardo DiCaprio starred in? And how did Jack die on the Titanic? And it's like, guys, you don't need to ask Google. Just come listen to our podcast. Seriously, he froze and also didn't die. Anyway, that's for the next time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, uh, the movie is based on a play, which I think might explain some of the weirdness oh. about why it doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the and both the play and the screenplay were written by the same guy, Scott McPherson. Okay. So, and he never, he'd never written a screenplay before. It's his only one. And he died shortly after its release. Um, so, it's the only movie he okay. ever did. So, that's probably why there's that, some stuff that doesn't work. In the film, because it's a play. Mm-hmm. Are you? Did you just text me? I did. <laughs> oh, I love that picture. Oh I god, just that picture's you, beautiful. Leo. Sorry, it's a beautiful picture. Distracted. I'm like really not focused today. I'm sorry. I was talking about someone's death, and you're like, oh, I'll text a picture. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Okay, so it was a play, and it got adapted to a, a screenplay, and then the guy died. Yes. Um, it was directed by Jerry Zachs, who, except for this movie, is a TV director for sitcoms like Everybody Loves Raymond, Frasier, Two and a Half Men, you know. Mm, he was out of his element. Yeah. It's the only movie he ever did. That makes sense. And as usual, Leo doesn't mess around when it comes to co-stars. This movie stars Diane Keaton, Meryl Streep, Robert De Niro, and Gwen Verdon, who is a legendary Hollywood and Broadway dancer and actress. Meredith, yeah, do you have she's... anything to tell us about Gwen Verdon? <sighs> she's really amazing. Um, her most famous role was in, um, oh my God, Damn, Damn Yankees. Yankees. Yeah, as Lola, she was like 
she was Fosse, Bob Fosse, who's like the choreographer of and and like director of all of the of like Chicago and Cabaret and all that jazz and God Pippin. I could think I could go on and on and on. But she the pajama I think she was, game. The pajama game. That's right. Um, and she I think she was married to him for a while. If not, so she too. was just his muse. But she um sings what and, and does the dance of whatever Lola wants. That song whatever that everybody knows. Lola wants. Which Lola is a song gets. that we always sing to you because gentle listeners, Laura's nickname in our family is Lola. It's true. It's the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Leo has no time for amateurs. He is always operating at 11 and he needs people around him to do the same. So no yeah. time for peasants. No. <laughs> he does not He does not hang with the plebeians. He does not. Um it made back just a little more than half of its budget, so it wasn't a hit, but the critics liked it, which makes sense since it contains four Oscar winners. Mm-hmm. And Leo's one of them. Aww. Yeah. All right, so you're ready for the plot? Yes, please, because I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> There's so many times when I say that and you're like, please just tell me what happened in this movie. <laughs> Well, I think it's because I often watch the movie really close to when we record, so it, like, hasn't had time to stew in my brain, and I'm like, what happened? Say what now? Okay. All right. So I'm not good at watching movies, either. It's not my strong suit. I'm so glad you have a podcast that uh, requires you to just watch a bunch of movies. You know, I'm I'm challenging myself. It's good. It's going to stretch your brain. Uh, So, Marvin's Room is the story of a family that consists of dutiful Bessie who's played by Diane Keaton, her older sister, uh, the, I would call her dysfunctional, would you? Yeah. The dysfunctional Lee, played by Meryl Streep, um, who has the worst hair ever. Um, the comical old Aunt Ruth. Her name's Ruth, right? Yeah. Okay. I wrote, I read it and I was like, oh no, I don't know if that's really her name. Uh, the comical old Aunt Ruth, played by Gwen Verdon, and Lee's son's Charlie, who's like nine years old-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, Played by an unknown kid. I didn't look it up. <laughs> and um, 17-year-old Hank, who is played by our man Leo. And uh, Marvin is the father of these, this family, the man of the, the house. Patriarch. The patriarch. Ooh. The patriarch. The patriarch. Marvin had a capital stroke. P, don't worry. <laughs> a, a lowercase patriarch. Uh, Marvin had a stroke 20 years earlier, and he has been dying slowly ever since. That really sucks. So, I know. But they don't actually tell you that he had a stroke right away. So, I was trying to figure out what was wrong with him. Because he appears to have some dementia. You know, he's, like, nonverbal, bedridden, you know? Mm-hmm. And he um, kind of seems to have, like, these, like, fits of, like, getting upset and stuff. But um, you can have dementia that's stroke-related from a stroke. It's just not, like, it's not Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So. That's probably what he has. So 20 years earlier, Bessie dropped everything and moved to Florida to live with Marvin and Aunt Ruth to act as the caregiver for them both. Marvin is, as I said, entirely bedridden and nonverbal, and Aunt Ruth suffers from a painful back condition, which caused her to spend, they've mentioned she spent, I don't, it's not funny, caused her to spend most of her life in bed. Why are you laughing? I don't know. Just because I... It's not funny, but I just, I'm picturing the, uh, the little lady and she's funny. So it made me laugh. 
Um, but now she has a device that's connected to her brain, and she can activate it when she's in pain, like turning a knob mm-hmm. to get rid of the pain. And it works well, but it also causes the garage door to go up and down whenever she uses it. <laughs> Which is really funny. It is really funny. <laughs> that's like very better off dead. Yeah, it is. It, she kind of does remind me of the mom in Better Off Dead. Yeah, I think that's where I was just getting like that vibe. And she ab- absentmindedly like pouring cat um, cat food <laughs> into the cereal bowls. That's from Better Off Dead. Yeah, oh my um, god, that movie is really good. I love that movie. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Ooh, John Cusack. We'll, we'll um, link to the IMDb page on on our website. Yeah, if you're down for some silliness, that movie is amazing. There's a dancing hamburger in it. Oh, my God. I forgot um, So, Bessie has uh, devoted her entire life to the care of Marvin and Ruth, uh, while Lee has basically cut herself off from the family. And Lee lives in Ohio with her kids, and she's very close to getting her cosmetology license, which she brings up every five minutes to everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of sad because her hair is so terrible. Like, what kind of school is this that... Well, she didn't nobody, do her own hair. Nobody Remember, fixes in it. In the very beginning, they have to, like, do their each other's hair. So somebody else did her hair. Yeah, but she goes around like that. But she also puts in the fall and has a lot of, like, Buffy-style clips going on. That's true. She does have a lot of Buffy-style clips going on. Yeah, it's obvious that Lee's life has been a bit tough. Um, and she sees cosmetology school as her way to get a new life. Which is good for her. Um... I don't really think that she has the talent, but, you know. How, how would you describe her, like, without being mean? Her hair? No, just her. Her? Like, her look. Her look. Her look. She looks like someone who followed around hair metal bands in the 80s, but now it's the 90s. And has never changed her look. Yes, that is exactly correct. Good job. That was nice. Thank you. Yeah. So she and Bessie uh, have not spoken in 20 years because they have a fight because Lee refused to come help with Marvin's care. So she has a bad relationship with the whole, that whole branch of her family. And she has a poor relationship with her kids too, especially Hank, who is a bit of a troublemaker. Leo plays a lot of troublemakers, especially in his early career. He's like, he could have really gotten like typecast as just, a hellion because mm-hmm. <laughs> he does it very well <laughs> when we first meet hank he is looking through pictures of himself as a child which are actual pictures of tiny little leo oh, that was so cute his little school photo oh, with his little big ears and his little bowl cut oh i know um he looks exactly the same <laughs> like you could see that anywhere and know it was oh, him yeah. he's very recognizable <laughs> yeah. as he grows yeah, he just, like, ages ever so slightly. So he's looking through these pictures and tossing them into a pile on the floor. And he comes to one of his mom and dad, whose his dad is not in his life, and he rips it in half, and he keeps the half with the dad, and he tosses his mom's po- uh, photo on the pile, pours lighter fluid all over that pile, and then lights it on fire. Good life choice. Which eventually burns down the house. And, like, some of the neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when he's like, it wouldn't have been such a big, <laughs> wouldn't have been such a big deal if it didn't like burn some of the other houses down. <laughs> oh. Uh, 
It was funny. Um, I thought he was, t- they were going to take him to jail, but it, it's supposed to be a mental hospital, but it looks just like a prison or jail. It's not really what actual mental hospitals look like. But maybe it's like one of those, it's like a hybrid. No, I think it's like a youth detention center that has, I think it's like juvie. But how can you, no, because you can't check somebody out of juvie for like a week. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah. So I think it's maybe like a hybrid. Like, you know how they have like the state mental hospital here that's also jail? (laughs) Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, um, but I don't think you could check yourself out of there either. But anyway, Lee really seems to. Or maybe it's like, it's a state run mental facility, Mm -hmm. but he had to go there instead of going to jail. Yeah. Like court ordered. Yeah. Mental hospital. Just seems like you still wouldn't be able to just leave. I don't know. Elvis's mom was real nice as a psychiatrist. Oh. <laughs> and Nick Miller's Nick mom. Nick Miller's mom. Oh, Nick Miller, Nick Miller, stone cold killer. Anyway, so I think that Lee kind of like, I know she doesn't actually, but she acts like she really dislikes Hank. Mm-hmm. You know, like she tells the psychiatrist that he's like, a pathological liar and she doesn't really seem to have any interest in visiting him yeah and when she does go see him he's asleep and looking like an angel by the way mm-hmm. um but she doesn't want to wake him up to say hi she just wants to leave so she leaves a tiny pile of m&ms on his chest so he can have them when he wakes up but as she leaves and the camera pulls back you can see that his arms are actually restrained and there's no way he could eat the M&M's. So it was kind of cruel and she's kind of a bitch. Yeah, that's rude. I'd be mad if someone <laughs> put M&M's just out of my reach. <laughs> yeah, like he wakes up and there's just M&M's on his chest and he can't get to them at all. That's really <laughs> that's rude. Horrible. I know, she sh- and she should have woken him up. And she's like, does this count as a visit? Like, but you didn't even visit with your son at all. I think she's just, like, really overwhelmed by him, and she can barely take care of herself, and yet she's, like, wrapped up in somebody else's very real problems that she gets blamed for. Yeah, I mean... I don't think she's a bad person. I think she's, like, genuinely ill-equipped to deal with the situation. Well, and he just burnt down her house. Yeah, I'd be pissed if my son burnt down my house. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to point something out that's a small beef I have. Um, soapbox, back up, okay? Okay, step I'm up. I'm on my soapbox again. Um, so she goes and she's talking to this psychiatrist in the mental hospital. And the psychiatrist is, like, talking to her and, like, basically doing that thing, like, and how do you feel about that? You know? Mm-hmm. Okay, but I need to point out, because people don't seem to know, that psychiatrists are not therapists or psychologists. They have no interest in your personal life or your feelings or how you interpret things. Those are psychologists. Yeah. Psychiatrists are entirely concerned with medication and fixing a medical problem. They're doctors. Yeah. So I get the joke of like the psychiatrist asking Lee how she's feeling and never giving straight answers, but I really just hate the mischaracterization of psychiatrists in movies when they do that because psychiatrists, they really don't care how you feel other than, you know, medically. Yeah. So anyway, off my soapbox on that one. Okay. Put it away for a little while. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, back in Florida, 
Bessie is getting a blood test done by Dr. Wally, who's played by Robert De Niro. Aw. Yay! Old friend. And old our old friend Robert De Niro, back for the back for the second time on the podcast. Um, and she thinks she is getting it taken for a vitamin deficiency. Don't freak out. If you th- if you have a vitamin deficiency, it most likely is that. In uh, Bessie's or what's her name? Bessie's case, not so much. But I like that you're like very obviously talking to me because I have vitamin deficiencies. Well, also because you already freaked out at me today about it. I so. know, I know. Stressful, man. <laughs> Your body doesn't absorb nutrients properly. Um. So I thought I thought Robert De Niro's character is pretty comical. He's like a good-natured doc who doesn't really have experience with patients. He's like, I'm a pathologist. Um, so the way he interacts with people is like kind of really awkward. I think he's pretty, I thought he was pretty funny. That was like another like better off dead thing. Like it was just so quirky Mm -hmm. and like so opposite of how you would normally think that it would be. But I was also like, but why? It was kind of like not at at all to this degree, but like Dr. Leo Spichemin. (laughs) Yeah. Like he's, he's Spichemin-esque. He's Spichemin 1.0. Like, he didn't really, like, it almost, like, seemed like he didn't know what he was doing, but he did, but, you know. Yeah. Um, and then he has that brother who's working at the front desk. Who's and um, they have Cher's like a, dad in Clueless? Oh, uh, Dan Hedaya is his name. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, a funny little bit going on where, like, the brother says something, and then Robert De Niro will be like, no, I've got this. I'll, I'll take it from here. And then he says the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I thought they were pretty funny. I thought it was funny, too. It just was like, it was sort of like the garage door. I was like, why is this here? Yeah. I, imagine how, like, depressing the movie would have been, though, without those little awkward, like, quirky moments. Yeah, but awkward, they quirky. weren't, like, seamlessly incorporated. It was just, like, there because they didn't want you to get depressed. Yeah. Unless I just am not <laughs> seeing something. Oh, I, yeah, I, I appreciated them, though. You know, like, you can't just put a dancing clown in a Holocaust movie. Because you don't Why want not? people to get sad. That would be amazing. No, that would be terrifying. That would be terrifying, actually. We don't, we don't need any clowns in Nazi Germany. Or anywhere. Eh, seriously. So, anyway, it turns out that Bessie does not have a vitamin deficiency. She has leukemia. And it is revealed that her mother... Who is depicted in a picture as is Meryl Streep in a wig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Her mother also, uh, she died of leukemia. And uh, Bessie's best hope for survival is a bone marrow transplant from a blood relative. And since her father and Ruth are too old and unwell, the only options are Lee, Charlie, and Hank. So, so she got to give him a call. So Lee pulls Hank out of the mental hospital temporarily. I just don't think you can do that. <laughs> no, I mean he he can you can if it was voluntary, right? Yeah. Um. Or my thing is that rehab. I don't actually. It's like you can leave rehab. Well, they can you put you on like a seventy-two hour hold in a mental hospital, where you have to be there for seventy-two hours. But I don't know what his situation is. I don't know. You know. All right. Well, let's just suspend okay. our discipline. For this, for these purposes, matter. you can pull anyone out of a mental hospital. Um, and they take the she takes the family down to Florida to get these tests done to see if they're compatible, um, so they can do the bone marrow transplant for Bessie. And the boys have never met Bessie before, and Hank didn't even know she existed. So he's kind of like, "Why am I gonna?" 
get, he's resistant to getting tested. He's like, I don't know if I'm even going to do it. Like, I've never met this lady before. She's a total stranger. Yeah. And he's partly saying that, like, just to piss his mom off. But I can see how, like, suddenly you have this aunt from out of nowhere, and the only time you hear about her is when she needs something from you. Yeah. Like, especially for him, like, a kid who has basically no support around him, that, like, that would be kind of, I don't know what the word is, intrusive? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, intrusive, I think, is the right thing. It's like, he doesn't have anybody supporting him. And yet he's expected to literally give a part of his body for somebody that he's never met because they're family. Yeah. And his mom is basically telling him, like, you have no choice. You have to do this. So he's just kind of exercising that, like, his limits to be like, I don't even know if I'm going to do it. Like, Yeah, he's he's flexing his teenage muscle. Yes, he is. So when they get down to Florida, Bessie is kind to Hank and she treats him like a real person. Not like he's a terrible disappointment the way Lee does. She even gives him Marvin's old toolbox. And he's, like, in that moment when she gives it to him, and she's like, you can have it. He's so shocked. It's like no one has ever given him anything before in his whole life. He's like, really? Like, can't believe that anybody's given him anything. But he's also, like, super distrustful of it. He thinks that she's trying to win him over. Yeah, yeah. Well, because that's what Lee's telling him, too. Right? Doesn't she tell him, like, we've never... Yeah, she does. Like when he, when she yeah when she gets um jealous or upset that he's hanging out with Bessie so much, she's like, "Don't trust her. She just wants your bone marrow." Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I forgot about that. Yeah. So yeah, because Lee, she kind of treats Hank like a dog, but like a person who doesn't know how to treat a dog kindly. <laughs> like in the um the scene where Bessie puts out a bowl of chips for everyone, mm-hmm. and Hank takes one. And Lee, like, totally flips out at him and yells at him because he has to be asked before he can take a chip. And Bessie's like, no, it's that's fine. That's what they're here for. But Lee insists that he puts the chip back, so Hank crushes the chip in his hand and then, like, explodes into anger. And they're just, like, yelling at each other. And it's super awkward. It's like when um, people discipline their children in front of you and you don't know what to do. <laughs> or, like, when couples fight in front of you and you're like, "Yeah, I'll just be over here. This is... This is weird. <laughs> like, because Bessie was just trying to be nice, and she's like, no, he has to ask. And then it turns into this, like, big screaming match. I mean, I remember Yeah, being... I mean, again, that just seems like proof that, like, Lee isn't a bad person. She's just ill-equipped. Because she is right. He does need boundaries, and he does need to learn, like, norms of society. Like, that's important for Hank. But what she's really teaching him is that freaking out is okay. Yeah. Rather than, you know, like saying like, Hank, it would be nice if you waited for your aunt to offer you a chip. And then she can say, oh, he, she can say like, oh, no, it's fine. He can have a chip. And then Hank can say, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know. But that, it goes from know. like, goes from like zero to 60. Like, it's like he takes a chip and then like two seconds later, he's crushed it in his hand and he's screaming. Yeah. And then like, Lee doesn't seem to be able to see that she's a part of this. She's blaming it all on him. Like. He's the crazy one. Like, he's the one that flies out of control, and she doesn't really see that she's um, contributing to that. Like, it's a toxic relationship on both sides. Yeah. So, but it's really obvious to Bessie, who's sitting there like, oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Because Hank can't really do anything right in Lee's eyes. 
But Bessie, on the other hand, she trusts Hank. She even lets him drive her car. I don't know if I would let a recent arsonist drive me around, but she did. And they drive on the beach and they have a swell time. They drive like right in the surf. It's kind of the thing. It's like the thing that like looks cool in movies, but it would probably actually really suck. Yeah, you'd probably get your car stuck. <laughs> yeah, your car would get stuck. It'd be all sandy. You'd get all wet. Like, it wouldn't be The fun, interior but... of your car would stink like like rotten seaweed for like three weeks. Yeah, but it looks really fun in the movie. It does. And they have a swell time. Yeah, they're laughing. And um, Leo d- does this like goofy laugh that I think is his actual laugh. Because I've heard it in this movie. He does it. I think he does it in Titanic. And I heard it somewhere else where he goes like. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even do it. <coughs> oh my god oh dear you have the black lung pop whoa <coughs> but you know what laugh i'm talking about yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think that's his real laugh <laughs> it's very goofy then charlie and hank go with bessie to dr wally's office for charlie to get tested to see if he's a match and hank's still like oh, i'm not sure if i want to do this but he's really, at that point, he really is only saying that to, like, be a punk and get attention. Um, basically just to get a reaction out of people. And in the end, he decides to get the test. Um, so here's my other, ready for my soapbox number two? Sure. Okay. So when they take out his medical card, and the doctor's brother's like, oh, is it true that you're on lithium? And Leo's like, yeah. And they never explicitly say what... Hank's issue is, but the fact that he takes lithium means that he's been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And the problem I have here is that this character doesn't show any signs or really act like he does have bipolar disorder. He doesn't do anything as a symptom of bipolar disorder. Could that be because he's on lithium and it's like under control and he just has other issues? Well, I don't think he was on it the whole time, though. So, like, they're kind of trying to make it seem like he lit this fire and he's out of control and now he's on lithium. And people with bipolar don't generally go around starting fires. Like, it seems much more likely to me that he's a kid with emotional issues and abandonment issues that acts out to get attention. I don't actually think he's... I don't think he's mentally ill. I, I don't know his medical history, but he seems like everything he does is actually in his control. Like, everything seems pretty calculated in the way that he um, acts towards other people. It doesn't seem like it's out of his control. So, I don't know how he got the diagnosis or anything, but the movie character doesn't seem... Maybe the only symptom I see is that he's irritable. Well, like, maybe, maybe the point is that everyone wants to, like, fix him and institutionalize him. Yeah, I was thinking, like, like, ways that he maybe doesn't need, and his aunt is kind of the only one who's like, no, you're fine. Yes. Yeah, so I'm thinking, like, he's probably on a medication he doesn't need. No one's, like, actually, ever since I did that laugh, man, um, no one's really helping him out. They're just, like, locking him up and doping him up. And lithium is a great drug if you really need it, but, I mean, there's, like, tons of side effects that he's probably going through if he doesn't really need it. Um... That really sucks for him. So I think that uh, it's just a show that, like, everyone in Hank's life except for Bessie just wants to shut up, shut him up and forget about him. Well, and the whole point of Lee is that she is, like, not interested in doing the work of caring for other people. 
Mm -hmm. And so, like, just putting him on a heavy-duty medicine probably seemed like a really good fix. And and, And it's not, again, it's not like she's doing this out of malice. It's she genuinely doesn't know how to take care of people. Yeah, that's true. So I don't I don't think it's like just a mischaracterization of bipolar disorder. I think it's like about how like the the care of people is is tougher than just medicine because there's also just like images of medicine throughout this entire thing. It opens with like a 5-minute thing of pill bottles. Yeah. You know, and like <laughs> medicine and syringes and tur- like tourniquets and all these things are everywhere throughout the whole thing and so it's like like, medicine is obviously an important part of caring for people, but, like, it's not the actual work of caring for people. Yeah, and Bessie, Bessie's the caregiver figure. She's the caregiver character, and he's only known her for a few days, and already his personality is softening and he's changing. Like, he did something for someone else. He fixed the garage door with those tools that she gave him. And he shows, like, a little bit of vulnerability. He asks Bessie to come back with him when he's getting the test done. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he probably could have used a lot of therapy and a good support system instead of the drugs, but... Um, but the point yeah, is that that, kind of... that wasn't available to him. Yeah, 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 so... Okay, off my soapbox. So, yeah. So anyway, it turns out that neither of the boys, nor Lee, are a match. And the doctor explains to Lee that basically means that Bessie will um, be on chemotherapy for a few years and then she will die. So... Bessie and Lee have, like, a nice moment where Lee offers to redo Bessie's wig, gives it a, another hideous uh, haircut. It's like Florence Henderson. <laughs> so bad. So bad. It was, like, it was a fine wig before. <laughs> it was a fine wig before, and she just makes it so horrible. <laughs> but while she's doing this, they have, like, a nice little heart-to-heart. Bessie talks about her uh, true love, which was a carny who drowned in front of her eyes. That was kind of weird. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. I was like, why is this happening now? <laughs> this random story of her being like, yeah, my first true love was this guy and blah, blah, blah. And then he died. He drowned in front of me. It's like, oh, huh. That's a weird fact, but I guess it's just supposed to show that she's opening up to Lee and they're getting closer. Well, and I think it also has to do with that she didn't do the right thing in that moment to care for him. Mm. And so she's like now obsessed with the notion of doing the right thing to care for people saving people Mm, that had not occurred Mm. to me good Mm, one you're welcome very nice and lee expresses her desire to have her life start and it's kind of mean because she's like i feel like my life is finally starting she's saying it to bessie who's basically just been told she's gonna die so it was insensitive kind of insensitive but it's a sisterly bonding moment and lee shows some vulnerability she goes into the bathroom and cries, which I did appreciate Meryl Streep's acting in that in that yeah. part. I appreciated her in the whole thing. It's just like, I just have a bad taste in my mouth from this character. I apparently have associated her with this character my whole life and didn't know. Um, so the sisters have to face the future, like who's going to care for Marvin and Ruth. And they visit a nursing home, which looks like a pretty typical nursing home. And Lee thinks it's great, but Bessie's like, he would have never done that to mom. Okay, so I'm going to hop on my soapbox. This is the last okay. time. So when they're going through this nursing home, it's a skilled nursing facility is what it is, which is like the highest level of care that people need. And this is what people think of when they think of like putting your grandma in a home, mm-hmm. right? Like 
into one of these places where it's like a shared room and it's very sterile and all this stuff. It looks like a hospital. And Marvin, yeah, it looks like a hospital. And Miranda Hobbs is showing them around. Cynthia Nixon. (laughs) Yeah, showing them around, um, trying to make it sound really good. Like, oh, and here we have our physical therapy room, but there's a doctor getting a massage. I don't know. That was another weird moment. So, but Marvin surely would have been in that setting because he needs that 24-hour medical care. Ruth, however, wouldn't have been put in skilled nursing. She would go to assisted living where she could have had a nice room and yummy meals and it would be like an apartment complex or a dorm kind of, like more like that than a hospital. So they're really looking in the wrong place for her. Well, but this was also like the mid-90s. There weren't as many options. Like, yeah, but you can't just like put some, you can't just put someone in a skilled well, nursing home. Well, yeah, but like they didn't. put someone in they, a nursing home. Like, I'm sure that they would have gotten to that point and they would have been like, no, she can't live here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they don't know. And again, um, it's showing it. The whole purpose of that scene is to show that Lee is incapable of caring for other people, of doing the work to take care of people. She just wants to shove them in it like the worst she, possible. She wants to do to these Not people the- what she did with her son. Not the skilled nursing places are bad. There are some bad ones and there are some really, really amazing ones. So I don't want to make it sound like they're... I've worked in, like, the best one in Seattle. Columbia Lutheran Home, just in case you're needing to put someone somewhere. And Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. She's... She's just not interested. Just trying to, like... She's not interested in doing the work of caring for other people. And that's kind of all she has on her plate. And so she's she doesn't understand what what ca- kind of care they even need. That's true, but neither does Bessie here. And she's, like, one of the people that's like, oh, no, he would never have done this to mom. We need to keep everybody at home. But, like, I, uh, it just, it's a personal thing that bugs me when people are, like, so against doing what needs to be done in that way. You know? Like, the two girls are so opposite, but they're, neither neither one of them are going to end up doing what's right for, for Marvin and Ruth. Yeah. They're just, like, on such opposite ways. It's not always the best thing to care for somebody at home um, because for so many reasons. One reason is that she totally gave up her whole life to care for them. She has no friends, really. She's, like, you know, never had a partner. But that's why she doesn't want them to go to that home because her life is ending anyway. She's going to die, and she knows that. And so she wants the life that she's had. And the only thing she knows is how to take care Wait, of these you mean two she... people. Even though she's not doing the best job that could be done. Yeah. And then she says in that one part, like, I've been so lucky that I've had them to love. She makes me sad. Well, it's a sad movie. She makes me sad just because there's... And it is because of, you know, my background, just because there is help available for her. And she's just seems to be one of those people who wants to take it all on herself. But again, it's because she failed the person that she loved in a moment of crisis. I did not put that together at all when I was watching it. So I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that story, they like, they don't just like throw things like that in there for no reason. It's like, because you remember why he drowned, right? Um. C- Because nobody would help him because his drowning looked like his laughing? Yes. They thought that he was laughing. And they couldn't tell the difference, so everybody stood around and watched him drown. Yeah. But that, to me, also makes me think of her. 
Like, she's also drowning, and nobody's helping her because she looks like she's just, you know, just fine. And then when Lee tries to actually do it, she realizes how hard it is, but but she's also drowning as a caregiver, so. Yeah, it's it's a story of two purposes. Yeah, oh, what a good story. I wonder why they made him a carny. I'll have to think about that one. I'm sure <laughs> right now. And he did the, what, did he do the Ferris wheel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, <clears throat> as a reward for the boys coming to Florida and getting tested, they all go to Disney World. And Hank is kind of being a dick to Lee for, like, for good reason. And bringing up all the movies that he saw with his dad, which were actually false memories. Um, so Lee finally tells him that she actually left his dad and took the kids because his dad beat him up. Aww. So he's had this, like, thing in his head his whole life that his dad was like this oh what was it a race car driver like this yeah this hero this race car driver this awesome guy and his mom is terrible because she left um the dad but actually the dad was abusive and she took the kids away to save them why didn't you tell him earlier because i don't think you want your kid to think badly of their parent mm. You know, and if they don't have to feel messed up about it, you probably wouldn't want them to. But if she's But again, she is not interested in doing the work of caring for people. Yeah. She wasn't interested in helping him other than getting him out of that situation. Like, that's the last time that she did the work of caring for people. Yeah. Which I think she felt like she was done, like she'd done enough for them. Well, because she felt felt like she uh, had to sacrifice a lot for herself because she was like, she had to leave her husband. So she probably felt like it's not even worth it to care for people because you just, like, lose things of yourself. Which mm-hmm. makes makes sense. Makes sense. Anyway, so Leo's like, no way. He didn't do that. But then he comes to the realization that it's true. And it's a nice moment for them. But the, meanwhile, the outing is too much for Bessie. And as she's resting in the shade, she's drinking out of a straw. And then suddenly blood is in the straw. That's, like, the one thing I remember from this movie is that blood in the straw because I was like every time I drink from a straw I'm like check for blood <laughs> because because I'm... I like didn't even notice that there was blood I just thought she was drinking a slushy and then I was like, <laughs> like freaking out and I, I honestly had the thought of like you have leukemia you probably shouldn't be having a slushy that's not good for you I think it was water um and then she suddenly becomes dizzy and disoriented and she passes out and then there's another and, like, like massively hits her head and they don't take her to the doctor. No, Goofy. <laughs> you don't see this, but Goofy apparently picks her up and carries her to a bed to rest. They say it's at Mickey's house, but that is not Mickey's house. Mickey doesn't have like a real bed like that. Mickey has You've a never been to bed. Disney World. They don't have that doesn't that's not how Mickey would decorate his bedroom. Maybe it's like one of those, you know how there's like actual hotels and houses in Disneyland and Disney World? Yeah. Maybe it's one of those. And okay. it's called Mickey's House. You're, there's no proof of that. You're doing the thing that you make fun of me for, for like, just pulling because things I'm out of thin air. Because I'm trying to feel better about a situation <laughs> that doesn't matter. Uh, it matters to me. Um, and they real. have... <laughs> and they have another nice sister moment, but Bessie tells Lee that she's scared to go to sleep at night in case she doesn't wake up. Just um... I sometimes do that, too. But you don't have leukemia. I know, but sometimes when I'm falling asleep, I jerk myself awake because I'm like, (gasps) what if I don't wake up? Everybody Uh, does that. Either that or just we do that because we (laughs) have a lot of anxiety. 
everyone does that. And the listeners are like, I don't do that. <laughs> like, it's perfectly normal to contemplate your own death way too much. <laughs> Uh, later, they're home, and Marvin's upset, so Bessie goes into his room. You know, Marvin's room. And she does this thing where she uses a mirror to put a rainbow reflection into the walls mm-hmm. um, for Marvin to track, and he's totally mesmerized by it. It really calms him down. And Bessie seems uh, really into it also, with, like, an exuberance that only Diane Keaton can bring to something. Oh, my god! Do you know what I mean? She's so Keaton-esque in those moments. She, like, glows and is, like... She's just, like, above and beyond the rest of us. I just feel like she could look enthralled and excited by, like, a rock on the street. Like, she... And every... This is... Every movie that she's in, they always have to do, like, a slow motion thing of her smiling and laughing because she's so radiant. She is. She's really radiant. And the thing is, like, think about those, like, face cream commercials that she does. Mm-hmm. She's so exuberant about face cream. And you're like, this is... <laughs> like, it doesn't work. You get plastic surgery or you don't. You know what I mean? <laughs> I went, yeah. Uh, so Marvin and Bessie are also are thrilled with the mirror trick. And Hank and Lee are watching from the doorframe. And that's the end of the movie. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's actually, it makes sense that it comes from a play. I think it would work better as a play. Mm-hmm. Um... And it, like, I think it's stronger than I gave it credit for in the beginning. Like, there's definitely questions that they're asking. And, and it, like, the thing is, movies tend to answer questions. This is something I've realized in, in, my, in my tenure looking at movies and scripts and plays. Um, plays tend to ask questions and start to answer them, but not really get to the end intentionally. Mm-hmm. And movies tend to give you a simple answer. And so I think it's like disorienting to see a movie that like asks questions with the sole purpose of exploring them rather than answering them. I'd be interested to see this as a play. I really would too, actually. And I think the title would make more sense because I feel like most of it would take place in Marvin's room. Yeah, probably. Like you've got limited set space. Like they had so many places to go. Yeah, like how did. How would they... They probably don't go to Disneyland. They probably just talk yeah. about it. Yeah. I'm, I'd be very interested to see it. I, want, I wonder if anybody does it ever. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> we should just tweet at some, like, directors and be like, at real Tony winning director. <laughs> we like to do that. We use our Twitter sometimes to suggest um, casting for people. Uh, for projects that aren't But, happening. like, for projects that aren't <laughs> in, in the works. Yeah, we're, like, <laughs> we do that a lot. We're very, we're unhelpful to people. I don't know if people... James Marsters, you're a good sport. <laughs> he would make an excellent Algernon Moncrief. He really would. He'd be very, He very would be good. so good. We've also a little bit been trolling David Boreanaz. Oh, yeah, we have. But, like, in a fun way. Not in, like, a, you suck! No. You should die! It's like, it's like a, his... he, all he tweets about is hockey, so we tweeted at him, hey, do you like hockey? <laughs> he didn't answer, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> oh, he's, that's so like him. <laughs> so like him. Yeah, you're frenemy. Also, I, so, okay. 
just because this is let's talk about Leo and obviously that means I need to talk about David Boreanaz for like five minutes no. so your whole thing with Meryl Streep where you like don't want to give her enough credit for how amazing mm. she is is like the opposite it's like the polar opposite of my feelings about David Boreanaz where people give him way too much credit for his accomplishments I can see that I don't think you know people I mean? are really going around being like David Boreanaz is so amazing. I've never heard anybody say that. No, but the, but like in Hollywood, he like is on every episode of television. I know. Do you but know what I mean? Like, end. why does he have so much work? Because I don't know. Like he's had locked more screen time, locked logged more screen time than Leonardo DiCaprio. That's a damn shame. Genuinely ridiculous. And some of that is, like, the medium that they chose, but, like, or that chose them. They didn't choose the cinema life. The cinema life chose Leo. Well, I think David Boreanaz would like to be uh, in movies. Okay, you get one. Ooh, David Boreanaz is almost uh, 47 years old. You can say one more thing about him, and then we're done. Wait, I really, really want you to Google him right now no. and then look at his high school photo. I know what it is. I've seen it. It's really good. Okay. All right. Wait, I'm not done. I'm not done. I have one more thing. I know. you. I said one more thing. Oh, you can no. do one more. Oh, no. His net worth makes me so sad, and there's no way that's true. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. I, under- I misunderstood. Girl. When you Google his network, it, net worth, it says $250,000. And I was like, you wasted all of your Buffy and Angel and Bones money? What is wrong is with you? Episode? It's per episode. He has a net worth of around $20 million. No. He is one of the highest paid actors on television. Like, you're, do you see what I mean? It's infuriating. Okay, you're, you're done, though. <sighs> that was it for the day. No more. Until next time. <laughs> Um, so did you, how do you, so the final thoughts on this movie? Like, I like it. I, I think it's a worthwhile movie. I'd like to see it as a play. It's not, it's not flawless, but it's worthwhile, especially if you're like interested in caregiving and like families and that dynamic, which I am. So also if you just like Diane Keaton and Meryl Streep, it's well worth your time. And Leo. And Leo. Cause like. As I said before, Diane Keaton, Meryl Streep, and Gwen Verdon are, like, sheer magic in this movie. They're just, like, three actresses that just, like, you don't know, like, they almost can't share the screen because they're too magical. But when they do, you're just like, ah! And Leo just, like, fits right in. He does. He does. He's able to hold his own against these, like, you know, titans of of cinema and performance and... It's pretty, it's pretty baller. Good, good man. Oh, we didn't even say the, that one of the funniest things in the movie is, um, uh, the, uh, aunt, aunt Ruth, she's obsessed with this, um, soap opera. Soap opera. Yeah. She's like obsessed. Starring Kelly Ripa. Yes. <laughs> starring Kelly Ripa. She's obsessed with it. And she talks about these people like they're real people. If podcasts existed, she would probably have a podcast about it. And mm-hmm. at the end, the little boy, Charlie, um, Hank's brother does makeup for the wedding of these two characters (laughs) (laughs) which is totally something that you and i have done dressed up for tv events uh lance bass's wedding oh we genuinely bought champagne and like sat down and it was an event yeah we did yes and also um my friend katie and i when um they were revealing who a is on pretty little liars we both wore black hoodies with the hoods up 
Because I like to be themed, you know? Like I said in the Romeo and Juliet episode, I love nothing more than a costume party. And I just like, you know, to decorate and celebrate. That's all. Even if it's by yourself. Truly. Honestly. I don't care. (laughs) Um, How many Oscars would you give Leo for his performance as Hank? Six. I am going to give him eight. Really? I'm going to give him eight simply for his ability to hold his own mm-hmm. with Meryl Streep and Diane Keaton all at the same time. Like, he doesn't get lost. No, he in doesn't. That shuffle. And he should. And this movie also, like, violates my principle, my casting principle of too many stars. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, a firm believer that you can have two big names at once, and they have three. Plus, right. like, a legend. Do you know what I mean? So, well, like, Leo wasn't theoretically. There's too many places. No, no, no. I know Leo's not wasn't a big name. Yeah, I'm not counting him. You have Diane Keaton, Meryl Streep, and Robert De Niro. Right, and then you've got Gwen Verdon, who's oh, just right. like it doesn't ne- wouldn't necessarily have the same name recognition among the same crowd, but she's so amazing. And like, that's a that's a tall order. Like the little kid, you forget that he exists all the time. I know. I don't even remember his name right now, but you don't forget about Leo. No, you don't. You even forget about Marvin, and it's named after his room. Oh, Marvin. He doesn't... Oh, when <laughs> when uh, Leo goes into the room for the first time and tries to introduce himself to Marvin. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, and, like, Marvin totally freaks out. Mar- yeah. uh, Leo is so adorable there. He's like, I, I just only did was say hi. <laughs> oh, poor buddy. Okay, oh, so we're going to give him... Uh, we're going to give him seven Oscars. We're, we'll 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 go between, we'll split the difference. Yeah, the only reason I went with six is just I felt it was still slightly uneven. Like there were some really strong moments, but there were some that were like still a little bit. I don't know, not just not as like natural and fluid as he usually is. You know. Mm-hmm. Also, a minimal Hinkle McCrinkleberry in this movie. I know we needed more Hinkle McCrinkle. I guess he had not learned when it needed to be unleashed. So it's don't developing. worry. It's don't still developing. Worry. Yeah, don't worry. It's coming. It's the next movie. The next movie, which will be two-parter, a two-parter. Yeah. All right. So now that we've left Marvin in his room, uh, it's time to end the show. In the meantime, you can find us on iTunes. Please go subscribe, rate us, leave nice reviews, and help other people to find the podcast. You can also please tell a friend if you are delighted by us. Your friends will also be. So, you know, just like do your friends a solid and tell them to show up here once a week. Listen to us talk. Laugh at us. You know, love, hate us. We don't care. Just don't be mean on the social meds. Yeah, don't um, be mean. Don't be mean to our faces. We don't care for that. Like behind our backs is just fine. But yeah, to our faces, totally anywhere fine. that yeah, to our faces, anywhere that we are gonna hear it and be um, sad about it, we we don't have that kind of time in our lives. Yeah, I don't have space for that negativity. So we can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Talk Leopod, and our website is Let's Talk About Leo. Our theme song was composed by Blake Schmidtberger, and the rest is a Laura and Meredith production. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about Leo. Join us next week when we discuss the most formative movie of every single person on Earth's lives, whether they know it or not. <laughs> Titanic. I'm so, I'm so... Titanic! Oh my god.
Oh, my God. Well, also, I think, okay, so gentle listeners, sorry for the addendum to our podcast, but we're going to be doing Titanic because it's a long ass movie and it's like the, it's the movie. So like, it's going to be a two parter. So we will stop where the VHS (laughs) tape stopped. We we will stop at the line. I believe you have your headline, Mr. Ismay. Ismay, I can't Mm -hmm. talk. Um, which, yeah, we know where that ends. So um, that's where we will be stopping for the first episode. So if you'd like to watch along with us, please press stop after that. It was easier to do when we all had VHSs and it just ended and you had to switch out the VHS. But, like, that's not our lives anymore. So, um, yeah, just stop when you hear that line <laughs> one more time. Please I believe press you will have stop. your headline, Mr. Ismay. <laughs> then stop. Yeah, and he's, drink- he's drinking tea and he's got, like, a little lemon in it or something. And he's, like... Doesn't he have a lemon in it? I don't know. He's drinking tea. Yeah, he's drinking tea. I can hear your dog drinking water. She's so thirsty. <laughs> okay, so gentle <laughs> listeners, that's where you're stopping for next week if you are watching along with us. Um, if you're not, I don't know what your problem is. So, Yeah, you should really watch Titanic because if you haven't seen it in many years, you should watch it again because it's amazing i'm really excited to also talk about billy zane but anyway that's for next time gentle listeners thank you we've gone on for far too long um bye thank you for talking about leo let's talk about leo